Hello, everyone, and a warm welcome to Ben Squared, an Invesco podcast aiming to update listeners on the major market stories in just 10 minutes. I'm Ben Gusseridge. You're all too pleased with himself, host from Invesco's multi-asset strategies department, and my co-host is Ben Jones, our all-too-humble director of macro research, also sitting within Invesco's multi-asset strategies division. Uh, As promised in today's episode, Ben Jones will discuss the market outlook and his preferred investment strategy for the second half of the year. But before any of Ben's wizardry, we must first inform listeners this podcast is intended for UK professional investors only, should not be considered as investment advice, and that any capital invested is always capital at risk. Finally, do hang on after the conversation is concluded to hear some additional important disclaimers. Okay, Ben, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm really well, Ben, and how are you? Oh, well, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, And I hope you saw the tennis at the weekend. I just thought the back and forth between the two top athletes in their field, giving absolutely everything, was just such good entertainment. Reminded me a lot of this podcast, actually, Ben. I don't know. Is that that a fair comparison? I think that's an excellent comparison. I was going to say exactly (laughs) the same thing. It's perhaps a touch generous, maybe, but uh, some similarities there, nonetheless. Now, here we are. We're going to be talking about the second half uh, outlook. So I think, you know, cutting straight to it, Ben, you know, what is your base case for global equities in the second half of the year? Uh, yeah, well, look, Ben, we've had a, a really good first half of the year. Um, as we said last time, sort of contrary to what most people um, thought the first half of 2023 was going to, to look like, um, I suspect the second half is going to be somewhat different. Um I partly say that because uh, literally just before walking into the room to record this, I was chatting to one of your previous guests, Stephen Annis, um, and we were commenting on the lack of persistence um, in markets that we've seen over the last few years or so. Um, so um, I think, look, the we've had a really good first half of the year in terms of the overall level of equities. Um, part of that has been driven by quite a narrow number of stocks um, in the US, which has sort of been catalyzed by this AI um, type theme. Um, I think some of that has probably gone a little bit too far. We'll probably see some profit taking um, in some of that space. Um, but at the same time, there's some sort of positive news in terms of the inflation um, story. Inflation certainly coming down really quite rapidly. Um, and we can get into the details of, of why that's the case and, and where there's perhaps some bad news in that as well. Um, but if inflation is coming lower, that potentially means that real rates are going to be going up and potentially quite rapidly. That could be somewhat of a headwind for stocks. And it probably means that the performance within equity markets starts to to shift and change as well a little bit for the second half of this year. Okay, well, we'll get into that uh, in a moment. Some caution in that uh, message, Ben. But before we explore that a little further, you know, what what actually might drag equities yet higher? How might this this momentum be maintained? Um, it depends on how people view the inflation story and um, and also the growth story. So if inflation does come lower um, and growth continues to hold up, you sort of get that immaculate disinflation. Um, that's going to be really a vindication of all the policies that we've seen over the past couple of years. We've seen ultra-stimulative fiscal policy. Um, until very recently, ultra-stimulative monetary policy. Inflation is transitory, maybe a little bit longer than we would have liked to see, but it has been um, transitory. That's an environment then where um, equities will probably re-rate and earnings won't be a drag on equities as well. So equities move higher in that environment, but it's got to be that really nice soft landing and that immaculate disinflation um, that I think sees equities continue to to roar higher. Okay, so... It doesn't seem 
uh, in your tone, does it, and indeed some of the words <laughs> immaculate, seems like it's not uh, not such a probable uh, event. And as I said, you had, there were some cautious notes in your earlier uh, answer. Can you just sort of yeah. elaborate on that then? You know, what what uh, in danger of asking you to repeat what you've just said, but what, what is it that gives you your sort of greatest concerns about equities? And indeed, what might make it, again, not necessarily your base case, but what might make it sort of more of a punishing second half? Yeah, I think for me, it's the growth story. Um, so the beginning part of this year, we've had inflation starting to come lower. But what we've also had is growth surprising positively, particularly um, in the US. If you look at the economic surprise indices, for example, they're very, very strong. If you look at corporate earnings in Europe and Japan, for example, they've been strong. Earnings are a bit lower in the US, but not um, as low as perhaps expectations were. So the growth story has surprised on the positive side. Now, the thing that makes me a little bit worried is that, yes, inflation is coming lower, but, but part of the sort of the negative side of inflation coming lower is that consumers are starting to be squeezed. First half of this year, and indeed much of 2022, we had this story of consumers in the US having these big, big excess savings pops that they've built up during COVID, and they've been drawing those down. Well, in the US, they've really largely now been um, expired, and there's a real squeeze coming through on consumers. In August, what you're also going to see is student loan repayments um, restarting, and I think that's going to be a meaningful drag on quite a large number of people. There's about 40 million um, students or ex-students in the US that have to start repaying some of their student loans, and that's going to be a drag. Um, if you look at um, banks' earnings, and look, we're right at the start of corporate earnings season for, for Q2, but there's been a couple of banks out already that have started to talk about their um, earnings over Q2. And the spin has been pretty positive, actually, on the consumer side of things. But for me, there were some signs of stress there. Um, the sort of shares of the, sorry, the share write-offs on, um, on credit cards are starting to rise. Customers are starting to fall behind on their payments at the moment. And there is also signs that corporates are starting to drop their prices onto quite big ticket items. Um, Ford yesterday, for example, dropped the price on its F-150 Lightning, that sort of flagship um, EV, um, by really quite a considerable amount. At the same time, auto loan applications are being rejected at a higher rate in more than a decade. Put all of those things together, and that tells me that the consumer is starting to see signs of stress. And if the consumer is weaker, that's a really big component of growth. That's going to be a, uh, a drag. So, look, inflation is going to be coming down. I think that will continue still in that lumpy and bumpy fashion. That's a positive. But if growth is weakening faster than a lot of people hope as well, and we're not getting that sort of real soft landing, um, then I think that's going to be the negative that takes um, equities lower over the second half of this year. Uh, OK, uh, very clear as always, Ben. But how does that going to how would that sort of tie into a preferred sort of equity strategy then would be it sort of regional allocation or maybe some sectors that you think might hold up or indeed perform reasonably well in such an environment? Yeah, good question. And I think, as I said, um, for me, I think the second half is probably going to be a little bit different to the, the first half. So you want to be looking at some of those losers in the first half probably to do better in the um, in the second half. And obviously the converse of that is the winners in the first half doing a little bit worse in the in the second half. Um, with real rates moving higher as well, um, I do think you want to be taking it, putting a little bit more value into the portfolio. Now, as you and I have discussed before, I think that the value growth split is is too blunt at all. It's too simplistic. I do think you want to be allocating more by um, regions or by sectors. So from a regional perspective, um, I do prefer Europe um, over 
the um, the US um, at the moment. Probably still prefer Japan um, over the US as well. Obviously, that is one of the areas that has done well at the beginning part of this year. That's one area that I can see extending into the second half. What I would also be looking for are some of those areas where um, rates are coming um, lower. That's particularly in some parts of emerging markets where the inflation story um, is, is a little bit further on and central banks have really um, tightened uh, more aggressively. I think we can see some rate cuts coming in there and I think that can be a supportive for some emerging markets, looking at places like potentially Korea, Brazil, for example, looking um, quite attractive. Um, I wouldn't dump everything on, on the US though. I still think, I mean, one of the ways that we're thinking about the US at the moment is to stay away from um, uh, the broad um, sort of U.S. market, and particularly sort of the Russell um, uh, market, but it's, we're keeping some allocation to some of those bigger mega cap names um, as well in the portfolio. Sector-wise, um, I think banks and energy can do better um, over the second half of this year. Again, obviously, um, they've had um, troubling times at the beginning part of this year. Um, I think I'd probably be erring towards European banks rather than the U.S. names um, at the moment, um, and I would very much be steering clear as from those uh, steering clear of those consumer areas. Um, again, very much feeds into what I've said already about the consumer weakness that I expect to see coming through in the um, in the second half of uh, of the year. Okay, well, lots to potentially sort of pounce on then, but we're up against it time-wise. One thing I might highlight, and perhaps you might think is sort of supportive of that preference for European equities, is that, you know, in the first half of the year, and indeed sort of for 12 months now, the market has got a little bit more excited about the sort of fading inflationary pressures in the US. Uh, Perhaps you think... Uh, the the, the story is yet to unfold or or might unfold at a more accelerated pace in Europe in the second half. You know, that falling inflation number might be a better story for, for Europe that the market hasn't really attached itself to yet. Yeah, I mean, in continental Europe, um, it's sort of lagging behind a little bit, the, the US inflation story, but it is still coming lower. And certainly if you look at the PPI numbers, which tend to be a reasonably good leading indicator of CPI numbers, we are seeing price pressures come down really quite quickly. And actually, in, in Europe, I should say, there are signs that um, there's some technical recessions taking place in Europe already. Germany already there. Switzerland uh, potentially heading there very quickly um, as well. Um, but it's not broad-based across the region. And that, that's kind of also the way I sort of summarize the world at the moment is that we're in this sort of asynchronous world, that, that we're not in one where sort of one cycle fits all. We're not in this sort of nice, smooth um, sine wave. We're more in an environment where these sine waves are very much overlapping and there are places that are doing better and other places that are doing um, poorly. And that, for me, gives, gives rise to a lot of opportunities for um, active um, investors. Um, but I think, yeah, look, European inflation certainly starting to come lower, probably at the moment a little bit more slowly than um, than in the US. We're a, little, we're a few months behind there. The one area that I would pick up on and say that I am most concerned about, both from an inflation picture, but also ultimately from a growth perspective, is the UK. And perhaps, look, that's my bias sitting here in the UK. Um, but the UK still has a very significant inflation problem. The labour market is very tight, although there are some very, very tentative signs if you squint the labour market starting to shift. Um, but inflation is still running um, over 8% at the moment as I sit here today. We'll get an update on that uh, measure um, tomorrow. Um, that puts the Bank of England in a very, very tight um, position. And I think the, there's certainly a lot more hikes uh, to come through from the Bank of England. The UK is a slightly more rate-sensitive area than the US, uh, for example, and I think 
it is the area where we've probably uh, got the greatest risk of a um, deeper recession than uh, the most other developed markets um, in the world. But again, it's not necessarily going to be today, but potentially later on this year, potentially early um, 2024 is, is where I see the biggest sort of point of pain for the uh, for the UK. Obviously, that makes, as we've talked about before, allocating to something like gilts a little bit tricky because if you've got um, policy rates moving higher and continue to move higher, where you've got plenty of the Fed hitting um, peak rates, uh, maybe the very, very short-term allocation to, to gilts is a, is a little bit difficult to play. But longer term, if growth is going to turn down quite significantly and we get a severe recession, that's an environment where rates should be coming lower in the um, in the UK. And the final thing that I'll say on that is, although I'm really pessimistic on the UK growth outlook sort of longer term, that doesn't mean that I'm necessarily pessimistic on UK stocks, because as we've discussed at length before, the UK economy is not the UK equity market. They are two very, very different things at the moment. Um, and if I like places like um, energy and to some extent financials as well, well, actually, the UK market has those in spades, particularly the, the large cap uh, UK areas. So um, some UK stocks still looking reasonably attractive at the moment. Okay, thanks, Ben. I mean, insightful and erudite as always. You touched on the bond market there, um, and we haven't curry, uh, covered currencies. I think what we'll do is in a, in a couple of weeks' time when we're back, we'll look at, uh, to the second half and get your views and expectations for both the bond market and, uh, and the, the important currency markets as well. And I look forward to reviewing the equity calls uh, in future podcasts, especially if they're going well. Um, our biggest thanks, of course, go to our listeners. I really appreciate your interest and we look forward to speaking to you again in a couple of weeks. But before you go, please do listen to the following investment risks and information. Uh, the value of investments and any income will fluctuate. This may partly be the result of exchange rate fluctuations and investors may not get back the full amount invested. This podcast is intended for UK professional clients only and is not for consumer use. Views and opinions are based on current market conditions and are subject to change. This is marketing material and not financial advice. It is not intended as a recommendation to buy or sell any particular asset class, security or strategy. Regulatory requirements that require impartiality of investment or investment strategy recommendations are therefore not applicable, nor are any prohibitions to trade before publication issued by Investigate Asset Management Limited, authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority.